open them up to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, probably about five minutes longer, ten minutes maybe. Oh, what a blessing. Thank you, Elena, for that. You know, it's so important for us as Christians to think outside of our own, you know, our own little world, really. You have to think out, you need to think globally what God's doing. God's working across the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit is working all over the world. Uh, and missions is one of those ways that God can open your own eyes to see the kingdom of God in a, in a broader spectrum. But also find yourself growing and something about serving. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. And missions work really puts you into service because you go to serve. That's your whole mindset. And for that, that time, you're not thinking about anything else but how to you know, serve God in that particular uh, door that he opens for you. And it's a blessing. I encourage everyone to, to be involved. Take advantage. We have, um, you know, as a small church, we have some missions trips that we take. But we also have a good relationship, as Elena had opportunity to go with Calvary Chapel La Mirada, and there's other Calvaries that have different missions trips and opportunities for you to get involved. I just uh, encourage you to think about that, pray about it, where God would send you, what God would have you to do. I do believe that that's part of uh, our, our own spiritual health, is being involved in outreach and uh, serving others. We can start Second Timothy tonight. We'll just take a just a few verses, bite just a few verses off tonight. And before we get uh, started, let me just mention uh, something that was mentioned to me just as Elena was sharing, talking about the orphanage. Uh, Renee came and mentioned to me that, that a good Christian friend of his, um, them tonight, but uh, also just put that out into your heart, you know, if you know anybody or if you or you know anyone that might be interested, they're looking for a, a way to place these. I guess there's, they're ages 10. They're in Russia looking for parents here. Okay. They've been here and visited. Are they back in Russia now? So we just put that out there. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for them tonight and ask the Lord to open that up and ask the Lord to bless our time of study here tonight as well. Father, we do thank you for the work that you're doing in Romania. Jesus, you told your disciples to go to the uttermost, uttermost parts of the earth, Lord, preaching the gospel. And Lord, that's what's happened. The Holy Spirit continues to send and continues to commission people out and Lord, we're, we're grateful to be a part of that, Lord. Christianity is more than just a, something that, that, that serves us, you know, here in our, our, our small world, Lord. We need to be thinking about how you're working across the earth and what our part may be, Lord. Certainly we can pray. Certainly we can help send others. And, Lord, we'll put together a team and just continue, Lord, to send us out to do your work, that we would not be just uh, focused on what, we're, what you're doing here, but recognize that you've called us to the world. Lord, we want to pray for these young Russian children, Lord, that uh, Renee has 
heard about that are looking for a, a home to be loved, adopted. Lord, they're orphans there in Russia. And for what, however, Lord, they've had opportunity to come to America and be exposed here, and there's people that already know them and care about them. Lord, open up the doors, Lord. May your will be done in the lives of these children. We pray for them spiritually. We pray for them physically and emotionally as well, God, that you would work. Lord, there's so many needs and more than we could ever imagine, but these are the ones that you brought to our attention tonight, so we want to pray and be diligent to ask your grace, Lord, in this situation. And Father, we also ask that you would bless tonight's study as we look at the Apostle Paul's letter, the second letter to, to his son in the faith, Timothy, Lord. May you speak to us tonight as we look in your word, God, illuminate our hearts, grow us, mature us, God. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just give you a little quick background again as, to, as we look at the, the book of 2 Timothy. Remember, 1 Timothy was uh, written to Timothy while he was at Ephesus. The Apostle Paul, if you just kind of remember a little bit of his journey, he was arrested, taken to Rome. Most scholars believe, based on interpretation of various passages in the Scripture, that he was released from Rome. If you remember when he was taken prisoner there the first time to Rome, there weren't any real substantial charges. They were just, they didn't know what to do with him. He was kind of this, you know, troublemaker in the Jewish community. So they sent him off to Rome. Let, let, let Caesar figure out what to do with this guy. So we don't know biblically for sure, but it, we know that he was under house arrest. We know in the book of Acts it says that he was free to have guests and visitors and he ministered there and God was using him. We know that he wrote letters from there. We also believe that he was eventually released and that he went out and did some more missionary work. Part of, that, part of that traveling took him through Ephesus, and he continued on from there, but he left Timothy there to handle some things at Ephesus. And he wrote that letter, 1 Timothy, back to Ephesus for Timothy to take care of some things. Well, just a few years later, Paul was rearrested and found himself back in Rome this time under not so uh, nice of circumstance. Uh, at this time, Nero was um, persecuting Christians, and Paul was arrested, put into a prison, and ultimately he was martyred there. So this second letter comes from his second time in a Roman prison, a much more difficult time, and you're going to sense that as we look through the book and in some, some cases, many believe that this was really kind of Paul's farewell letter. This may be the last, well, it's the last thing that we know of his writing uh, prior to him being martyred. And uh, he was in chains. At this point, he'd been abandoned by almost all of his friends and ministry companions. He was longing to see Timothy, and he implored him twice to come and see him. We'll find that in the letter. And as, as I mentioned to you, it's been called Paul's last will and testament. He knew that the time of his departure was near. He says so in this letter, that his earthly ministry and life were about to end. So it kind of brings a little extra weight. All of God's Word is, is important. All of the letters that we have are, are weighty in that sense. You know what I mean? But this, you know, this is the last thing that Paul says. These are the, kind of the, the last things that he wants to impart to his son in the faith and colleague in ministry, Timothy. So these have extra, I don't know, just kind of, his whole life, Lord, these are the last words that Paul would say. We want to give special attention to it. 
with that in mind, let's go ahead and, and read through here. I would call this, this first section here tonight, a father's reminder. A father's reminder. Paul was not Timothy's biological father, but he was uh, Timothy's spiritual father. Let's just read through the first seven verses here, and then we'll study them together. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember, uh, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind of life which is in Christ Jesus. We know that that word apostle means one who is sent out, a messenger. And it also means that in Paul's case, he was an ambassador. He was an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and he was an apostle by the will of God. And I think that's so important to understand that Paul did not appoint himself. This was not Paul's um, career goal as he was growing up. Gee, I would like to be an apostle someday, and I think I'll go to college to become an apostle. Nothing wrong with college education. Nothing wrong with preparing yourself to become competent in a professional way. But beyond our own plans, beyond what we have in mind for our life, God has a plan. In the case of the Apostle Paul, it was to be an apostle, to be one sent out into the world to do mission work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it wasn't an easy vocation. He suffered for it, ultimately gave even his life for it. But it's what God had called him to. And he understood that. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. And I would just encourage all of us to consider what, what has God called each of us to do? This idea of being called by God is not unique to the apostle Paul. It's not unique to pastors and you know, what we call the, the professional people in ministry. The call of God is on every believer. God's call and commissioning goes out to every believer. We've all been called by God to play a part in His kingdom. The Apostle Paul knew what his was. Do you know what yours is? Do you know what... Can you, could you say tonight you know, your name? Paul said, Paul... Apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Can you say that about, any, about yourself tonight? Well, there's some things you could say. Richard, a husband to my wife, Tony, by the will of God. So that's part of what I'm called to do is to be a faithful husband. Maybe you're a parent. God's called you to be that. God's called you and entrusted you to do that. We've got some new parents almost trying just getting ready to be new parents, waiting any, any time now, coming soon. Well, we know that's something God's called you to do, to be parents, and God's entrusting something to you. But I want you to think, you know, begin to think on that. Paul, Paul had this understanding, and God's put a, God has something for all of us. 
And you know, we ha- you have to pray on it. You have to think on it. It doesn't just always appear, you know. And especially if you're distracted and your mind is is racing after your own plans and agenda, so often you can miss the real purpose and call of God. God has a way, just like he did for the Apostle Paul. God has a way of getting you back to his call and purpose. And what you may find out is that some of the things that don't work out, that you thought were and you wish had, may very well be the hand of God redirecting your life to the very thing that he's called you to do and the very thing that he wants you to do. Nothing happens by coincidence in the life of the believer. God is working. God is ordaining your steps. Man plans his way. God directs his steps. God is at work, even through things that you don't understand. That may very well be what God is doing to bring you into the very purpose that he has for you. Something like that happened in Timothy. Paul refers to Timothy as a beloved son. It's most likely that Timothy was converted during Paul's trip into a city called Lystra. That's where Timothy was originally from. And Paul came through Lystra and they preached the gospel there. And most scholars believe that that's most likely where Timothy came to the Lord. And and in a sense, that's why Timothy was Paul's son. He was his spiritual child. Paul brought him to the Lord. Paul later came back through Lystra and Timothy had grown and matured in the Lord and developed a very good reputation amongst the church. And Paul, that's when Paul kind of took Timothy under his wing and took him with him on his missionary trip and enlisted him into the ministry. But the interesting thing, and you can, we won't look at it tonight, but you can look at Acts 14 and kind of see the situation. What, what brought Paul to Lystra? He was on a missionary trip, and he was actually ministering in a city of Iconium. And they, they were persecuting him there. And there was a plan to kill him, and they wanted to stone him. They wanted to just, you know. And so they fled for their life. To where? To Lystra. They were just looking to get away from the trouble. And they found themselves at Lystra. Well, since we're here, let's preach the gospel. And this is where Timothy gets saved. So even as, you know, God is directing the Apostle Paul out in the mission field and little does he know, he's running for his life. We've got you know, to get out of town before they kill us. It leads him to the very place where Timothy would come to the Lord. Timothy would later become Paul's uh, colleague in ministry. Timothy would later become this wonderful son in the Lord that Paul loved dearly. And as we read through this letter, you'll see Paul is beginning to hand over the reins of the ministry to Timothy. So what a blessing, God working, even in difficult situations, even in what looked like this, you know, horrible... I mean, I've never had anybody wanting to kill me. Uh, At least, well, maybe there have been. Nobody that was actually close to doing it. And so I've never really had to run for my life. But you can imagine that might not be an easy thing to do. And you might wonder, God, we're out here preaching the gospel. We're trying to do your work. And now they want to stone us, Lord. I thought you were going to protect us. I thought you sent us here. We're fleeing for our life. But even in things that aren't working out the way you and I had, might, had imagined, God is working it out. God is working it out directly according to his plan and purpose, leading Paul to Timothy 
where Timothy could come to the Lord. And we have this wonderful letter to Timothy. This is a personal letter Paul wrote to him. Do you think that Paul could have known that this letter would be read by millions and millions of believers 2,000 years later? Only God could have. He, he's, he's there by himself, lonely in a, in a Roman dungeon, writing this letter to Timothy, and yet God speaks to us 2,000 years later. Only the hand of God can work these things out. And that's why we, we walk in faith. We trust Him. Lord, wherever we find ourselves, we live for You because You're working all things together for good. And You're working all things according to Your plan. Paul considered Timothy a beloved son. And he says something a little bit of his heart here. Look with me in verse 3. First of all, he's thankful. I thank God. You know, that's hard to say when you're in a Roman dungeon. But Paul said it. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. A pure conscience. To serve God with a pure conscience. That really needs to be all of our desires. It needs to be something all of us long for. To have a pure conscience before God. Think about that. Paul's getting ready. He knows this is the time of his life has come to an end. He's been in ministry and traveled many miles for many years. And he can say, I thank the Lord because I'm serving Him with a pure conscience. My heart is clean. I know that I've done what God has called me to do. And I know I've done it with the right motives. And I know I've lived my life for Him. That's a, that's a tremendous thing to say. That we could say that. That I could say that someday. I can't say it today. I've got to be honest with you. I still wrestle with things. I'm still trying to live for the Lord in, the, in a fuller, deeper way. And it's not that Paul was perfect, but his heart was pure. And he'd come to the, even now to the end, towards the end of his ministry, and he can say this wonderful thing to Timothy. Pure conscience, and I am praying for you, Timothy, without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day. Paul loved this young man, Timothy. Prayed for him regularly. Prayed for him night and day without ceasing. And he greatly desired to see him, being mindful of your tears. Probably when he left Timothy at Ephesus, they might have had one of those, you know, embrace goodbyes. It's going to be hard to let you go. And probably Timothy knew when they said goodbye that we may never see each other again. This may be the last time. You know, when you lived in those days, that was a very real possibility because persecution was there. People had already given their life for the faith. There was a very real possibility that when you said goodbye, that might be the last time. So Timothy, I no doubt, had tears when he said goodbye to Paul the last time. Paul's remembering that. Paul, you're seeing something of the apostle's heart, very personal. Paul, Timothy, I love you. I am praying for you constantly. This is a father would for his own child. Desiring to see you, mindful of your tears, that I might be filled with joy. Oh, it would be so wonderful if I could see you again. And that's the heart of a father. That's the heart of a parent for their children. Parents, you're out here tonight, those of you that are parents, you know the heart of Paul feeling this for Timothy, his spiritual son. I encourage you and I to pray. The best thing you can do for your kids is pray. You know, we want to we want to try and help manage their lives and we want to orchestrate everything as best we can and we don't understand when they don't, you know, go the, the direction that we've planned for them, but we can pray. Paul said, I'm praying for you. 
I love you. I'm thinking about the last time I said goodbye to you. I long to see you again so that my heart could be filled with joy, but I am ever praying for you. The heart of a father going out to his spiritual son, Timothy. And finally, he reminds Timothy of something, and this is really the heart of this this first section, a father's reminder. First of all, he he calls to remembrance. Paul said, I I call to remembrance, verse 5, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. Paul was confident that Timothy had a faith within him that had been passed down from his family and that it was genuine and he was confident that it was within him also. And he called that to remembrance. And, and really, he's calling it back to remembrance for Timothy too. Timothy, remember. Remember the faith that has been handed down to you from grandmother to mother to you, that which I also have sown into your heart and life. And he find, and here verse uh, 6 and 7, really in the heart of what we'll close with tonight. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Stir up the gift. This particular passage, other passages, both in First and Second Timothy, we get a picture of Timothy that he was a very sincere, um, gifted young man, but it seems that he had a little bit of a timidity about him. And you see in several places where Paul is kind of pushing him along and reminding him, encouraging him. And he's doing it here. Timothy, remember the faith that, that's in you. And I'm, I'm, I'm reminding you now, stir up the gift. You have a gift. God has given you a gift. Remember when I laid hands on you and prayed for you. You've been commissioned. You've been called by God. There's something that God wants to do in you, through you. You've got to stir it up. Does he say, Timothy, pray and ask God to stir the gift up? It's Timothy, stir it up. You know that you can neglect things that God has given you. It's possible to quench the Holy Spirit. It's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's possible just through neglect to let things go dormant in your life spiritually. It's possible. You have to be involved in your spiritual life. You have to be active. Spiritual life is, is something that you and I have to, to work at. It's a co-laboring with the grace of God. Not that anything in our own strength or efforts accomplishes anything for God, but the grace of God has to be yielded to and obeyed in the heart of the believer. It doesn't just happen, right? You can't just put the Bible under your pillow at night, right? You've got to read it. You've got to open it up. You've got to study it. These things, not all of these things are easy to discern, are they? Sometimes the Bible is, you know, you read it, and what's he saying? What's happening? So we, we Renee, yeah, he understands that. We have to study it. You have to read it. You have to, we have to grow in it. We have to mature. Just like any other endeavor, any professional endeavor, any athletic endeavor, any musical endeavor, anything that you would endeavor to do, some have more natural giftings than others, but nobody is without working at it to improve and becoming competent. 
And so it is spiritually. Timothy, stir up the gift. There's no lack of God's gifting. There's nothing that God has not... It's it's nothing that God hasn't done or done. It's what you are not doing that's causing the gift to not function in your life. You need to stir up the gift that is in you. And remember that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Where's that power? It's the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God working in our lives, and of love, the love of God. The Bible says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That's, that allows us not only to love God, but to love others. God has put something of his love for others in your heart and of a sound mind, a disciplined mind, a self-controlled mind, a mind that, that is diligent with the things of God. The, this is what God has given you, Timothy. Not a spirit of fear and timidity, not that you should, well, I'm not sure if God's called me. I'm not sure if God's gifted me. I'm not sure if that's my responsibility. And, and, and you, this timidity, Timothy, God's called you. We laid our hands on you. We gave you this committee. You're, you've been called. You're supposed to be pastoring this work. You need to be walking in what God has given you. That's not some self-confidence, but it's the confidence that God has given you. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. Fear is from the enemy. Fear is from our own worry and our own anxiety. But that what God has given you is power, love, a sound mind. Those are the things that God has equipped the believer with. When he calls, he equips. I've been reading uh, lately in the book of Ezra, just, just my personal time of, of reading. And um, there's a passage there when Ezra came back to Jerusalem to find... It's too long of a story to give you all the details, but let me just kind of cut to the chase. Basically, there was sin. The, the people of Israel had gone back to their homeland. This is after they had been taken captivity into Babylon. God judged them because they were sinning against the Lord. So God took them out of the land, took them into Babylon. Remember Nebuchadnezzar took them off into Babylon. They were captive there for 70 years. And then God restored them. God brought them back to the land. And they're back to the land. And Ezra has come to help complete some of the work there in the land. And he's come with a uh, the king's help and also the, the good hand of the Lord was with him. And he comes back only to find out that the people are sinning again. <laughs> They're going do, doing the very same things that God kicked him out of the land for. They're marrying into the other cultures and beginning to worship the other gods. And the, the sons are taking in these foreign wives. God said, no, you've got, to, you've got to keep yourself pure spiritually from the other cultures. Well, there they were mingling again. And, and, and it said, Ezra says... I was astonished. I couldn't believe this. You've just, you've just spent 70 years as slaves back in Babylon. God brings you out and His mercy and His love and His compassion. He brings you back to this land, giving you another chance to rebuild, to restart. God wants to be your God. He wants you in your land. And here you are. You've gone back to the very same thing. That, and, and Ezra said, I, just, I sat down and I was astonished and I wept and I began to pray. And I began to pray, Lord, what have we done? Look what. And, he said, and, and it says that some of the leaders from Israel came to him and said, Ezra, we've sinned. We need to stop this right now. We need to annul these marriages. We need to send these, these, these people back to their culture. 
We need to obey God. We need to do what God has called us. We're ready to do this. And Ezra said, I was sitting there and I was weeping. I was astonished. And they said, this is what, this is part, all that to get to this little phrase. They said to Ezra, stand up and do this, Ezra. This is your responsibility. God is with you. Be strong and courageous and do it. Ezra, you're the man. You're the one that God has brought to do this work. You're the one that God has called to execute this, uh, this, this cleaning up that we need to do in the land. Stand up and do it. We are with you. Be strong. Be courageous and do it. That's the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord will call you to do something, church, individuals, something that God will call you to do. And you know what? It's your responsibility. Ezra, stand up and do it. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. It's not self-confidence. It's not overconfidence. It's understanding what God has equipped and called us to do. I've had to wrestle with that as a, as a pastor. There's times when you just, Lord, I don't know. Can I do this? I don't feel, I don't feel capable of this. I don't feel competent enough. I don't... You know, I mean, I, don't, I need to study more. I need, there's all these fears that come against even those that are being used by the Lord. I think I've shared with you the first time I led worship service. My knees were trembling so bad. I just, I, I was glad I didn't have shorts on because you would have seen them just shaking. You know, I was so nervous. Oh, I never wanted to do that again. It's horrible. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. Stand up. Do it. Be strong. Be courageous. David told Solomon, your job is to build this sanctuary. Be strong. Be of good courage. And do it. Do the work. Do what God's called you to do. That's the essence of what Paul is trying to speak into Timothy's heart. Timothy, God's called you. You're my beloved son. I pray, I'm praying for you. I'm, the, I'm an apostle. I, you know, this, this, I have the authority of the Lord to, to tell you these things. Stand up. Stir up the gift. Do what God has called you to do. It takes faith. It takes courage. It takes the power of God. I'm not suggesting you just, you know, do something, you know, that, that, that God's not in or hasn't called you to do. You do need to have a sense that this is something God's given you. But once, that, once that's there, once you've waited on the Lord and you really feel like God, you know, step out. Go for it. Take a chance. See if God is in it. And I believe that... I'm just telling you, that's the way He's worked in my life. I've had to stir it up. For a long time, I was waiting for God to set the table. Okay, you know, I don't want to presume. I don't want to be, you know... Overconfident. I don't. You know, I, I've shared this with you too. The Lord finally, Richard, I'm waiting on you. Lord, when, when, when? That's Richard. That's what I'm wondering. When? Step out. I've given you things. I've gifted you. I, you know, people have given you ministry opportunities. Doors have opened. Time to get up and go. Walk in what God has given you, and you'll find that that's where the grace of God meets you. If you're waiting for all of it to, to, you know work itself before you start walking, that's not the way God works, is it? You remember when, uh, I'm closing, I'm sorry, but 
things are coming to mind. You remember when God was going to take the finally bring the children of Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land? Remember, they had been wandering around for 40 years out there. Now the time had come. God said, get up. We're crossing. The day has come. We're going to bring you into the promised land. What did he do? Have the priests get the Ark of the Covenant and do what? Stay on the dry land on the shore and wait for me to part the sea? No. He said, tell them to get out into the water and start walking. And they got out there. I don't know how deep they got, but you can just imagine those guys carrying the Ark. They're up waist high. Uh, it's getting deeper. <laughs> But finally the Lord began to, to, to hold back the river and they crossed over on dry land. But they had to get out in the water, didn't they? Sometimes you have to... You have, God's grace meets you. That power meets you as you're stepping, as you've stirred up the gift, as you're going. That's where you find God meeting you. And that's what Paul's encouraging Timothy. Timothy, don't be timid. Go, God's given you ministry. Walk in it. Be confident in it. Power, love. Sound mind. These are the things that God has given you. He's going to go on and we'll study next week to not to be ashamed of the gospel. Don't worry about suffering. Don't be afraid of what may come your way. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There may be difficulties, but God is with you. Be strong and courageous. Amen? Amen. Let me close this in prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful letter written by a man who you, you call as an apostle, written by a man, Lord, we really can only imagine what the circumstance might have been there in a Roman prison just uh, a little bit before he would ultimately give his life. And yet, Lord, in that setting, he penned these words and they give and speak life to us today because they're not just the words of a man. They are words inspired by God. And so, Lord, we embrace them tonight, and I ask that you would stir up the gift within us tonight, Lord. Father, all of us have been called. Callings are not unique to apostles. Callings are unique to all believers. We've not all been called to be apostles. We're not all called to be pastors, but we're all called. We're all called to function in the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that that would not create any anxiety in our hearts, but rather a a diligent searching, a diligent praying, a, a beginning to consider, God, what would you have me to do? I want to serve you. And I believe that that prayer, that heart, you will open doors and you will make it known what each is to do, Lord. There are some, that are, some things that are already been given to us. Some of us are already parents. Some of us are already husbands and wives. Some of us are already students, employees, employers, teachers. Or we already have things that you've asked us to do faithfully. And so may we do those things well. But God, I believe in addition to that, there's ministry. Ministry like Elena, Lord, missionary to Romania. I'm sure there was a day when if you'd asked her, do you think you'll ever do take a missions trip to Romania? She might have thought, who, me? Never. But Lord, you opened a door and she went. You blessed and you used her. And she's, she's had a, a global experience, Lord, and seeing you at work in lives that that would not have been touched by her had she not gone. So, Lord, stir up the gift. Lord, or I should say, Lord, help us to stir up the gifts that you've already given and imparted to us, to walk faithfully in those things, God, to walk in the spirit, the spirit not of fear and timidity, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. 
May these things be in us tonight, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name.